This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. God bless you. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. You're tuned in tonight to hear a powerful word that's going to change your life forever. So I don't want you to tune out. I want you to stay tuned. You say, well, I only have a half hour left of driving. Well, stay tuned as long as you can to hear God's word. Don't turn to some other station where you hear the same song over and over again. There's a fresh word that God has for you tonight. I want to thank all of those that are tuned in. And there's many of you who are faithful listeners. You write and you say, thank you for the broadcast, Reverend Palmer. We appreciate it. And, you know, bring us another word. Tell us what God has. Da, da, da. And so I'm thankful for you. And I praise God that, you know, to have partners like you, people that are tuned in, people that are listening, people that are ready to hear the fresh word that God has. And it's going to be fresh tonight. Now, you might be listening and you need a touch from God. Maybe you've not heard this broadcast. Let me just say that we believe in the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. We believe that what Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 verse 30, By stretching forth thy hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And so he doesn't change. He is a supernatural God that he constantly influences us with his power. If you need a miracle in your life tonight, maybe you need deliverance in your mind. Maybe you're somebody you deal with bipolar. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 that he's given unto us the mind of Christ. Your mind can be renewed. Hebrews chapter 12, excuse me, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hebrews 4.12 says that uh, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharp enough to divide into a son of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrows. And so you can have a brand new mind tonight. Your mind can be at peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, I'll keep thee in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And so your mind can be totally renewed tonight with the power that's from his word. And so stay tuned. Listen in. And see what God has for you. Uh, and so I welcome you to the show. And uh, I want to say before we get started tonight, before we get into the fresh word that God has for you, the, a word that's in now, a word that's not an old word that's been, but I mean fresh manna, fresh bread from heaven, is um, that we thankful for, like I said, all of our partners. Now, if you want to know more about the ministry, you can go to www.chrispalmerministries.com. And there you can find out what we're doing. You can also partner with us there. We appreciate your prayers. We appreciate everybody that supports us financially. We're a listener-supported broadcast. That means that we are uh, on the air. And all of the things that we do in ministry comes as a result of the generosity of the people. You say, why should I sow financially into Chris Palmer Ministries? Well, there's a principle in the Word of God, and I share this scripture often. And it says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all your increase, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your presses will burst out with new wine. Many times people think that God wants them to be poor. That's not true. God doesn't want you to be broke. He doesn't want you to be poor. There's enough to go around for everybody. 
But the thing about it is that God wants you to show him that you honor him. You say, well, how can I honor God? You do what he asks you to do. You know, there's going to be many people. They say they love Jesus. They say they love God. They say they're interested in what God interested in. They have a heart for him. And these are the kinds of people that will spend thousands of dollars on a new wardrobe. Hundreds of dollars on a sweater. But they won't give to the kingdom of God. They won't give to feed kids. They won't give to the poor during Christmas time so they can have toys. They won't give to the poor during Thanksgiving. They won't do nothing. And you say, well, I don't trust them. Well, what about your time? Do you give your time to any organizations, charities, anything like this? Or are you selfish? And if you're selfish, that's going to come back on you. You know, God is going to see to it that he uh, take an account of how you steward over those things that his grace has provided for you. Are you interested in God? Do you believe that souls need to be saved? Do you believe people need to be healed, delivered, set free, changed by his power? Well, the ministry is what is doing that. And so God wants you to give and provide for those ministries that you believe in that he directs you to give to. If you feel that Chris Palmer Ministries is one of those ministries, you can partner with us on the web. We're getting our material now produced. We have the Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation is now volume one in Italian. And uh, so the people in Italy are being blessed by that book. And it's because of your giving. We're able to sponsor copies to go down to the Turks and Caicos Islands. And I still want to give those uh, books to mental homes and institutions. I believe it will be a tool to straighten out people's minds. There's a war on people's minds. Minds are coming under depression. They're coming under all sorts of uh, more plagues. You look at people's brains today. They're being plagued with all sorts of mental illnesses and diseases. And it's no wonder. Look at the society we're living in. We need books like these to get out there. And there's other books. I've written another book. It'll be out in the summertime. And we're going to work on getting that in another language. So we need your help to get our materials out there. And so also, for you that have not have my book, it's called The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation. It's available on Amazon.com. Just go to Amazon.com, type in The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, and you will find it. Let me pray tonight before we get in the Word. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. I come before you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. And Father, I thank you for every person that's tuned into the sound of my voice. I pray tonight that you bring forth deliverance in people's minds. I pray against depression right now. I command depression to take its hands off of people. Father, I command healing in people's bodies. Anybody that has pain in their chest area, in their back area, people suffering from organ failures, kidney failure, in the name of Jesus, heal those people tonight, God. People that have uh, dimness of sight and dullness of hearing, I pray that you restore to them the healing power of God in their body. Pray, Father, that your word would order people's lives, that people would order their lives by your word. And, Father, I pray if there's anyone listening tonight that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray you convict their heart. I pray you deliver people from addiction tonight. Father, I come against people that are bound by sexual addiction, people bound by substance abuse, alcoholism. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command you change them. I pray that there's people tonight you have wrong ideologies about what is truth. I pray, Father, that you place in their heart, just like uh, when Pilate said there is no truth, Jesus responded, Father God, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Well, he is. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus tonight 
that you bring forth truth in people's hearts. I come against the spirit of unbelief that binds people up. And Father, I pray that their hearts will receive your word. I thank you and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue. I'm going to continue tonight uh, on the broadcast talking about the parables, the secrets of life. There are many secrets in life. There's a lot of books being written today. People say, well, I'm going to promise you this secret. And I'm going to promise you that secret. But truly, the greatest secrets that we can find in the history of the world were taught by the most prolific teacher of all time, and that's the Lord Jesus. And Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He demonstrated the power of God, cast out devils, he healed people, he empowered his disciples and anybody else that would want to follow him to do the same. He understood the supernatural. He was a powerful God. And he left us his teachings for us to understand. If anybody knew the secrets of life, it was Jesus. But being the wonderful, masterful teacher that he is, Jesus didn't just um, teach us and tell us point one, point two, point three. He told stories and he told parables. And you know, the other day, I was reading through, a couple weeks ago actually, almost a month now, I was reading Matthew chapter 13, and the Spirit of God dropped it upon my heart to teach the parables. I was talking to a person, a gentleman who has known the Word of God, and I said, do you have, do you understand the parables of Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom parables? He says, no. I said, how long have you been studying the Word? He said, quite some time, my whole life. Well, and he didn't understand the parables of Jesus, and these are some of the most important truths found in Scripture. And I want you to understand them today. You say, well, what are they relevant to my life? How do they pertain to my life? They're absolutely, because these are timeless truths. And I'm finishing up tonight talking about what we left off last week, talking about the tares and the wheat. And I pray tonight as you listen, the presence of God would fill your car. I pray that the, you, as you hear these, the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come upon you. I just declare tonight, if you have some type of, I just, yeah, I sense by the Spirit, you have anxiety in your life, dread, fear of failure, fear of repeating your past mistakes. And I just declare right now that that's leaving your life. And I command that fear to go in the name of Jesus. And I break the power of it over your mind in Jesus' name. Now, if you're listening tonight, there's freedom for people's minds. People are being healed in their minds. And if there, you're somebody here that you have some type of mentality that is created for failure, failure in your finances, failure in your job, failure in your family, failure in relationships, I break that curse off you tonight in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to listen as I talk tonight about the tares and the wheat. The principle in this parable, the great secret that I'm talking about, and I'll boil it down to this phrase, is that there is good and there is evil. Now that sounds basic, but there's many people that don't believe that. And here's another fact to take it further. They exist together. You mean that evil's not on one side and good is not on the other? No. That's not how it goes in the kingdom of heaven, and that's not how it exists particularly. As we saw last week, the field was the world. And the good tares, excuse me, the good wheat and the evil tares, they both existed in the same field. Tares amongst wheat. And that's how it is. Good and evil rarely take sides against each other. You're going to have to sort through it. You're going to have to figure out who's good and who's evil. You might be, you say, well, wait, not, certainly not in the church. Yeah, in the church. 
not the church that Christ talked about, but you'll see in just a minute, there's a difference between the real body of Christ and the realm of professing Christians, people that say they're t wheat, but really they're tares. And we'll find out. We're going to see this in just a minute. But beyond that, there's one more principle, and that is good and evil at some point at the end of this age are going to be separated. So there's good and evil, and though they exist together, there's going to come a time where they are separated. And like I said last week, that this should the teachings of Jesus were powerful. The teachings of Jesus were convicting. They were life-changing. They were dynamic. But the same thing is that it caused you to take an inventory of your life and say, where is it that I fit in? Where do I belong? Do you know, friend, that there's good and evil? Are you in the middle somewhere? You say, well, I, yes, I'm in the middle. Well, God doesn't look at it that way. Gray doesn't exist in the kingdom. Black or white, light or darkness, truth or lie. Which are you? Well, I don't think I like this Jesus that you serve. That doesn't change the fact that it's true. We're going to see it tonight. Pass and review real quick. Pass and review. The sower is the son of man, who is Jesus. And the wheat that he sowed are the children of the kingdom. These are people that are born again. People that have received the word of Christ into their hearts. People that have received the word of God into their hearts. They're transformed by it. These are children of the kingdom. And they grow up and they produce fruit that gives an account for what seeds have been sown in their life. The field is the world. Well, you know what? Let me read the scripture. I'm taking for granted that you remember the scripture from last week. Let me read it to you. Matthew 13, verse 24. And another parable Jesus put forth and said unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like a man which sowed good seed in his field. And it says, But while men slept, his enemy came, sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did you we not sow good seed in your field? For whence then has it tares? And he said, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will then that we go and gather them up? And he says, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then Jesus interprets this parable, and he said unto them, uh, He that sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. And the tares are the children of the wicked one. We're going to pick it up here tonight. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Well, brother, I don't believe there's going to be an end of the world. There's going to be a harvest. Well, Jesus taught there would be. And the reapers are the angels. So this is a supernatural parable. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who has ears to ear, let him hear. Notice this parable. 
by Jesus. This is not a teddy bear kind of parable. It's straight. It's to the point. And here's the thing about it. The teachings of Jesus are pop, uh, contrary to popular teaching today. They're not inclusive. They're many times exclusive. You say, what do you mean? What do you mean exclusive? It excludes certain people. And it includes certain people. Not everybody gets to be a part of the kingdom. What does it mean God picked them? No, he's teaching you now. It's about your heart. It's about your response. Where's your heart at? That was parable number one. It's about a person's heart. So we see in this parable that the sower is the son of man, Jesus. The wheat is the children of the kingdom. The field is the world. And where we left off last week, we were talking about how that there was watchmen that were appointed over the field that gave a watch to see to it that an enemy did not come in and sow or do harm to the field. But because the watchman fell asleep, something happened, and that was the enemy came in and he began to sow tares in the field. That's verse number 25. It says, But while these men slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Let's talk about the enemy sower for a second. This enemy sower is Satan and the kingdom of darkness. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Let me read it to you. You say, well, what do you mean Satan and the kingdom of darkness? Well, the Bible talks much about the reality of the enemy. Actually, in the book, The Believer's Journey, I talk a lot about it. Because it says, Put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6.11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. You mean that our battle is spiritual? Absolutely. Colossians chapter 1 says the exact same thing. It says that, uh, let me get the scripture for you, Colossians chapter 1, and it says here that he spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Verse number 16 says, for by him were all things created that are visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities and powers, all things were created by him, and all things were created for him. And then it says here in Romans chapter 12, you know, people say, well, is that talking about good things? Well, no, no. See, the devil, angels, fallen angels, these things were created good and they rebelled. The only thing that was created evil were demon spirits. Uh, God didn't create demons. Demons are the offspring, the spirits of giant races, which were the offspring of fallen angels and women. Now I'm not going to get into that. Now I believe that. After studying it for many years now. And it can hold weight in the scripture. But I won't get into that. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. Concerning the enemy in the kingdom. It says here. Who shall separate us from the love of God. Verse number 38, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, height, death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. So you see in scripture, 
in those three cases, in the writings of Paul, in Romans he mentioned it, in Colossians he mentioned it, and in Ephesians he mentioned that there is a systematic kingdom of darkness that is out there to corrupt. And here's the thing, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, 27, not to give place to the devil. When you give place to the devil, he will take advantage of you. When you give place to the devil, he'll see to it that if you give him a foothold, he'll make a mountain out of it. A foot, he'll, he'll make a mountain out of it. He's into taking you for all you're worth, eating your lunch, and not even tipping you for it. So you have to be vigilant, like we just said. Make sure you don't fall asleep. So Satan, the Bible says, not to be a, uh, ignorant of Satan's devices. Read the Second Corinthians two eleven. His devices, his wiles, his schemes, and he has several tactics. It's the schemes of the devil. See, the <clears throat> what the enemy does is he watches the Church of the Living Christ. You say, well, why does he watch the Church of Christ? Because the Church of Christ, the true Church, or let me say it this way. The children of the kingdom, they are his enemy. <clears throat> the children of the kingdom are the people that he has to see to it that he stops. Because their advancing the kingdom is bad news for him. So he's going to watch. Now it may not be him personally that's doing the watching. It may not be him specifically. It may be a spirit that is a part of his arsenal that's doing it. But he's going to watch and try to find out what a person's weakness is. He's going to try and watch and find out what a person's Achilles heel is. And then he's going to strike. It says here in Acts chapter 19. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits. The uh, evil, which had evil spirits. Saying, we adjure you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, and a chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. How did this evil spirit, how did this demon spirit know who Jesus was? How did this evil spirit know who the apostle Paul was? It says in Matthew chapter 12 that when an evil spirit has gone out, he wandereth in the dry places, and he searches for a dwelling and then when he finds a house swept and garnished and not occupied he finds seven more devils more wicked than himself and they go inhabit that house so you see how the power of darkness operates the person in matthew chapter 12 i believe verse number 43 that was subdued and overtaken by seven other devils was not vigilant he was most likely sleeping he was not keeping up with his a-game and as a result of that Seven other devils came. So, here's a sober reality, and you can write this down, is that the enemy does not take a day off. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's always interested in advancing his purposes. And you don't have to fear that. You just have to recognize that and acknowledge that. And be on the lookout for it. And so, in the first parable concerning his tactics, the enemy was catching away seed out of people's hearts this was seen in the birds of the air which are wicked spirits he took advantage of people's hearts and he stole the word that word stayed on top of the soil in the parable of the sower and the seed never got it on the person's heart and the enemy made sure of it by coming along and snatching it from him. 
And so, like I said before last week, if this parable, he does the opposite. He doesn't steal seed. He plants his own. And this is just as deadly as him taking away the seed. As the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. If you can't destroy them from the outside, get in them and corrupt them from the inside. And so Satan does this by transforming himself into an angel of light. So when the enemy comes in, when a foothold is given, whether it be in your life personally, in your home, in your ch church congregation, or in the body of Christ as a whole, or a denomination, whatever it may be, uh, he is going to produce children of the kingdom of darkness. This is represented by the tares. Let me explain to you. Say, what is a tear? Well, let me explain. I'm glad you asked. Tares are simply an Ill illegitimate kind of wheat. Farmers, in their seed form, still probably to this day, can hardly distinguish wheat from tares when in their beginning. Wheat is simply wholesome. And when it's true wheat, it's crushed to flour and used for bread. It's used for other food. It's used for flour. It's used to make something that is nourishment, like a cake or whatever it may be. And it is known as golden grain. I remember I went to Nebraska one time and saw the wheat fields. And you saw the wheat. It was going straight up. And then when it got to the top, it bowed its head over. And, you know, the sun was setting. It was gorgeous. This was the heartland of America. Uh, and what the thing about wheat is, is wheat, it begins to ripen by absorbing light. And it has a bout overhead. This is true wheat, and it's good for the body, and it's valuable. It's useful. As a matter of fact, it's not just useful. It is part of the basic building block of life. But then you have a false wheat, and these are the tares. Now, tares are black seeds and they're poisonous and they're known to be bitter and if you eat a tear in seed form or just tear when it's grown up it will usually cause dizziness of course you can't die from it but it causes a level of discomfort dizziness because it's a wild seed and so when a tear is planted when it grows it stands stiff as opposed to the bowing head of the wheat stands straight up only when they're ripe is their inner nature and their character able to be seen. Um, and the thing about tares is, well, they're useless for food. You can't do nothing with them. Don't even try. You can't make cake with them. You can't make bread with them. can't make anything useful with a tear. And so this parable, the tear and the wheat, illustrate this truth that the wheat and the tares are going to grow up together. This is a true fact in the kingdom of heaven, is that there is going to be mixture in the kingdom of God. Mixture represents the mingling of holy things with unholy things. And God hates mixture, but he will allow it to go on in this present age. You see mixture all the time. You just don't know it. I don't want to be the judge of anybody. It's not my responsibility to judge. But just because somebody professes that they're a Christian, 
And just because someone says they follow the Lord Jesus Christ, many times if their lifestyle does not uh, add up to it, many times they're not producing the fruit, many times they rebel against Christ. This is, these are people, there's a difference between professing to know God and really knowing God. And so that's tares growing with the wheat. Unholy marriages in Ezra chapter 9 were those children of Israel who were considered to be the holy seed of God. They were mixing their holy seed with the world, Gentiles, people that they were forbidden, nations that were godless. This is a mingling of the mixture. Mixed multitudes of Israel or the mixed multitude in Israel, they fell to lust and despised the manna because it wasn't just the children of Israel. They took in people that were not set apart, not consecrated to God. These were children of the world, and it caused them to fall. And so the tares in this scripture represent something false, something that looks at first to play the part, but later on as it is coming to maturity, you find out, it is not what it looked like on the outside. And let me say this. Not everything that looks to be authentic is authentic. You say, well, what do you, you mean it's not authentic? You mean I could get duped? Yeah. You can get duped. Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruit. When did you ever plant a seed and fruit come up instantly? That's why I don't want to say that I'm a skeptic. But if I'm going to follow something, I'm going to watch it over time. Because the one thing that causes fruit to produce, if there's anything, is time. You know how many people, ministers, preachers, and whatever it may be, not even in the ministry field, other fields, they come up overnight, they explode onto the scenes, and in the flash of a pan, they're gone. You never hear from them, never see them again. That's because they did not have the character that could hold up and keep them in that position. So the tares that we're talking about here, they represent Pharisees, Sadducees, and Jesus' day, of course, the scribes. But today they represent false cults, counterfeit Christians, apostate teachers, anything that is contrary to the will and desires of God. You say, well, you mean you can't spot these out at first? No, not usually. You can't. It's difficult because they pose. And that's how they get in. And that's how the enemy deceives people with it. The next aspect of this is that you'll see that the enemy went his way. Let me read to you what it says here. In Matthew chapter 13 verse 25 and verse number 26. It says, But while men slept, the enemy came, sowed his tares, and he went his way. This is interesting phrase of scripture that the enemy just went his way he didn't wait around to see if the seed was going to come up he didn't wait around for the development of the tares see the enemy has confidence that his seed is going to produce and that all he has to do is just wait a long time or wait enough time and the manifestation and result of the seed is going to take place he knows the power of the seed and the only thing he works at is getting the seed into the ground. That's why you have to be careful that he does not sick seed with this. And the same thing. If the enemy has confidence that seed is going to work, then friend, you should have confidence that your seed is going to work. 
understand that when you plant a seed, a seed is going to give off its return. Let me give you an example that kind of deviates from this, but I want to share with you the power of a seed. I remember one time that there was a particular conference that I was preaching at. It was several days, and there was an explosion in my life of revelation knowledge. It mean I mean in my own heart, in my own inner consciousness. I hadn't done anything extra to prepare for this conference. I hadn't done any extra fasting. I hadn't done any, nothing. As a matter of fact, I felt a tad bit underprepared when I showed up for the conference. But needless to say, when I got up to stand up and preach, the power of God hit me. And there was understanding that was just flowing. People were blessed. People were healed. It was a very powerful conference. And I asked the Lord... I said, why is it that this conference that we just had, there was an explosion, it was a harvest of revelation. Now, I mean, just everything I said, all glory be to him. And it was just, it just was driven home. And the Lord spoke to me, <clears throat> and he said something very powerful. He said, this understanding that you walked into was a harvest of seeds of prayer that you planted two years ago and now you're receiving the harvest of things that you prayed out in the mystery form of praying in tongues just two years ago and he says i never forget a seed sown that's what you need to understand is that when you sow things into the kingdom of god when you sow things in prayer, when you sow things financially to God, when you sow things into other people's lives, generosity, or, or your time, or kindness, love, whatever you sow, you're going to get a harvest of. That's why be careful that you don't sit around and watch horror movies, scary movies. You're sowing seeds into your heart, and it's just a matter of time before those things begin to produce in your life. You could watch a movie, a horror flick, tonight and then three months from now wake up terrified and not understand why you're hearing voices and what you fail to realize is the seed that you planted three months ago is now springing up and producing a massive harvest in your life because you failed to be vigilant you failed to be watchful and you allowed the enemy to come in and sow his tares in this sense into your heart so you have to be confident or you have to be confident that seed is going to work and it is going to produce after its kind. So you have to ask yourself what kind of seed are you producing in your life and what kind of seed are you allowing into your ground? Are you constantly in your life thinking lustfully? Are you constantly feeding on yourself, thinking thoughts of ambition, thinking thoughts of ego, th thinking thoughts of narcissism in your life and if you do that that's going to pr begin to produce for you, uh, you know, s seeds of uh, despair. It's going to begin to produce for you seeds of defeat. It's going to begin to produce for you seeds that are going to harm and hurt you. So you have to constantly take an inventory of what you're allowing into your heart. But have confidence that if you're sowing the right thing, have confidence if you're sowing good things, that seed is going to produce in your life. Let's go here and talk about the awakened servants in verse number 27. I want to show you what it says here about the awakened servants. It says here in um, Matthew 13 and verse number 27. So the servants of the householder came and said unto them, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? 
for whence then has it tears? He said unto them, An enemy said, hath done this. The servant said, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. And so here you'll see that the servants, they ended up waking up. They ended up waking up. These servants that we saw falling asleep, they woke up. They woke up out of that funk. They woke up out of that sleep. They woke up out of that, uh, you know, the slumber that they went in. And we're going to talk about that when we get back in just a second. So I want you to stay tuned. I don't want you to go nowhere. We're going to finish this up, and then I'm going to pray for you tonight if you have a need in your life. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Talk about the servant's awakening in just a minute, right after this. He saw the best in me When everyone else around Could only see the worst in me Can I tell y'all one more time, one more time I said he saw the best in me When everyone else around could only see the worst in me. I wish I had a witness tonight. All I need is one. Hey! He saw the best in me. When everyone else around me, yeah. Everyone else around me could only see the worst in me. Does anybody have that testimony? When God brought you all, said you would never make it, what did he see? When everyone else around me, yeah. oh, everyone else oh, around can I tell y'all one more thing? I just need to tell you one more thing. Listen to this. See, he's mine, and I am his. It doesn't matter what I do. He only sees me for who I am. Does anybody know that tonight? Oh, see, he is mine, and I am him. Said it doesn't matter what I did. See, he only sees me for who I am. Help me sing it. Yeah,
to have a witness tonight. Can I ask y'all one question? The question is simply this. What did he see? He saw the I can't get no help up in here. Because there are some folk in here that people have wrote you off. Said you would never amount to anything. Said that you would never end up being anywhere. But Myron, tell him one more time. What did he see? He saw the When mama said you would never be nothing. When aunties and uncles said that you would never amount to anything. When daddy didn't come home anymore. He didn't look at you and say that you weren't going to make it. God looked at you and what did he see? What did he see? back here on the Transforming Truth broadcast. God bless you. We're talking tonight about the parable of the tares and the wheat. And we're doing a series called The Secrets of Life. And I want to continue to minister to you about one of the great secrets of life. And that is that good and evil do exist in this world. And though they exist together, they're eventually going to be separated. And so we have to understand that. And you have to ask yourself at some point, what do I make up? What am I comprised of? Am I good or am I evil? And the thing about good and evil is that God allows them to exist in this present time together. He allows them to grow together, and he's not going to separate them until the end of this age. And so we have to be careful, and we have to be vigilant. And we're talking tonight about how the enemy came in. He found out and saw the, he saw where the children of the kingdom had been planted by Jesus Christ. These are the disciples of Christ. And one thing God did was that he appointed over that field, in the absence of Jesus, who went to sit at the right hand of the Father, he appointed ministry gifts, people, responsible leaders to oversee the wheat and make sure that it's protected. And a lot of these leaders fell asleep. They came into a slumber. We see in Scripture that there's evidences of leadership, believers falling into a slumber. And when they fell into the slumber, what happened was is that the enemy came along. And the Bible says that he began to sow the children of, the, 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 the children of darkness into the kingdom. You know, this represents the children of darkness. This represents false cults. It represents uh, counterfeit Christians, apostate teachers, things that are leading people astray, false doctrines, propagators of false doctrines. And they come into the church. They come into the kingdom of heaven. They begin to grow alongside of the true believers. And sometimes it's difficult to tell. You say, wait a second, this is not a true believer. This is a true belief. John says that they were among us, but they were never from us. And so, there's a time where it says that the leaders awake. This represents a time of revival among the people of God. That's what the church of the living Jesus needs, is a time of revival. We need a time where leaders today that are in sleep, leaders that are in slumber, that have in their life prayerlessness, they wake up. This doesn't just mean revival. It also means a time of apostolic and prophetic correction. I was in a church one time. Someone says, what do you think the problem with this church is? I said, well, I'm not an expert. 
But I know by the Spirit that when there is a lot of word with no prophetic edge to the preaching, that allows sin in the door. Prophetic means what is God saying now? God can take a text from the Bible and instead of you just preaching the theology behind it and the cross references and the scriptures behind it, you preach it prophetically as the Spirit of God has given you that now. And in order to do that, it takes a close intimacy. You have to be in the presence of God to receive that. And that's what's going to revive people's hearts in these last days is a revelation of the prophetic. During times of awakening in the body of Christ, this is powerful. This is very powerful. During times of awakening, the visible becomes invisible and the invisible becomes visible. Now, I know that sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but this is what I mean. The things that you have your eyes set on, those diminish. The visible things diminish. And the invisible things of the realm of the spirit, those things become visible. See, this is what the prophetic does to you. You can look at something and you can see it for what it is. And then you can look at something that isn't and see it there existing. So, in a time of awakening, tares are found out. And they are recognized. And when the prophetic aspect of God's preaching and the prophetic aspect of the gospel is in operation, there is a disdain for the tares. There is a desire. You say, I see those tares. How did they get in here? How is it that these cults arose up? Where did this doctrine come from? Why is it all over the place? I want to remove it. And you hate it. And that's the way it should be. It shows your heart still in the right place. And, but see, the householder told him, he says, listen, don't remove the tares, because if you try to remove the tares, you're going to destroy the wheat. Now watch this, this is powerful. By trying many times to negate bad doctrine, and the proponents of the bad doctrine, there's so much emphasis on it that it begins to neglect good doctrine in the people. You do all your time trying to dig out every last tear that you forget to water the good tears. You forget what this is all about. There's one preacher, he says that don't try and necessarily confront bad doctrine. Just preach the truth and people will follow the truth. I like that. I do believe in correcting bad doctrine, but I believe not everybody has the task of doing that. I believe it should be in the elders' hands. I don't go around trying to do that. I leave it to people that are far more experienced than me. Trying to destroy the tares, you can end up destroying the wheat. It puts people in offense. You've got to be very careful about it. And here's the thing. You're not going to get rid. Nobody, no church, no movement is going to get rid of all the wickedness that's in the earth. It's almost a futile attempt. Let me pick it up real quick. You'll see here in verse number 30 and 39 through 40 that there is a harvest time. Now, many people don't want to talk about this today, but the harvest time refers strictly to the end of this age. During the end of this age, there is going to be a, uh, well, there's going to be an end in this age. There will be a mixture all the way up to the end. So, like I said before, it's a futile attempt to try and separate everything as a whole. What we can do as believers, and even if you're not a preacher, you can still teach righteousness to your kids, teach righteousness to your family, teach righteousness to those close to you, those that you have association with, and protect your own heart. Stay awake. 
stay uh, on your face. Keep your your relationship with the Lord hot. But then it says that they're reapers. These reapers represent, in verse number 30 and 39, these are angels that appear with the Son of Man at His coming. And they're going to play a significant part in the affairs of mankind. And they're going to assist Christ and assist those who assist Christ. And so there is angelic help that's all around people all the time. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them that shall be heirs of salvation? Uh, Psalm 103 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth? Uh, same thing, Are they not my ministers of flames of fire? I believe it's Psalm 103. Needless to say, what the responsibility of these angels, it says, is that they bundle the tares together before they're thrown in the furnace they weren't just thrown in the furnace the tares at the end of this age were bundled together it's interesting that uh, Jesus said that they were bundled together this represents judgment upon groups that offend the kingdom of God and groups that work iniquity that means that false cults False ecumenism and false types of the churches, false doctrines. You look at all the different cults out there that are not rooted in the love of God, the true authentic doctrines of the living Christ, but are more so rooted in pride, arrogance, egotism. It's important to know that sin is going to be grouped at the end of this age and God is going to group sins together and he's going to destroy them. And the Bible says that they go into the furnace of fire. This is none other than the lake of fire and brimstone where the devil, the unredeemed, the angels that are evil, they're going to be thrown. That's Revelation 19, 20 and 20 verse 10. And many people today, they like to leave out hell in their doctrine, and but that's not how Jesus taught. Jesus clearly gave the reality of hell and he talked about the furnaces waiting and the end tares will go in there. And he says there in verse number 42 of Matthew 13 that there would be terrible grief, sorrow, neglect of eternal punishment. And that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This will be the eternal state of the tormented. But it says in verse number 30 that the wheat is gathered into the barn. This is talking about believers, true believers of the kingdom. And... You see, it's always been God's desire, always been his heart, to gather his children unto himself. God loves his church, God loves you, and he wants, if you're not a part of his church, if you're not a part of the true believers of Christ, he wants you to be a part of him. But it says in Psalm chapter 50 verse 5, Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Of course, the ultimate sacrifice was the Lord Jesus Christ. And what God's going to do is he's going to gather his children to himself at the end of this age. So if you're in Christ, if you're a believer, if you're somebody that's producing, you allow the word of Christ to get into your heart, God's going to gather to himself at the end of this age. The Lord's barn, of course, is the kingdom of God. This is where all the redeemed of the earth gather to worship and serve Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And uh, the Bible says that the light of the Father shall shine upon them, which is you sharing the glory of God. So understand this. Understand this. This is what you need to get. Is that there's present mixture 
that is going to exist in this age. Now, you may not see it now or pay much attention to it, but remember, the end of this age is coming. And there's the children of God and the children of Satan. This is further proof that not everybody is a child of God. There's a Christmas song that says that. And that's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. God in his forbearance allows the mixture. This means that he allows and puts up with it until the end of this age. He wants more people to know God. He wants more people to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants more people to get to, to renounce Satan, to leave the kingdom of Satan. And so uh, he allows us to go on in his forbearance. God allows this mixture. But there is coming, friend, a future separation. Because even though he's a gracious God, he's going to get to a point in time in his mercy where and grace where he has to provide justice to preserve the righteous. And as much as God is gracious, he is a lover of justice and separating the good from the bad, the evil from the, from the, the righteous. Uh <clears throat> in the end is justice because he would have by that time forbeared long, he would have been patient, and now the slack has been jerked. And so the tares will be separated from the wheat eternally and this is how the end of this age is going to look so let me read to you the parable with our interpretation would say this the kingdom of heaven resembles the son of man jesus which sowed the children of the kingdom into the world but the ministry gifts that he set over them fell asleep and during this time the devil came in and he sold the children of the devil amongst the children of the kingdom. And during the time of growth the children of the devil appeared with the children of the kingdom. They grew side by side together. And then the ministry gifts awoke and noticed this and wanted in their righteous indignation to remove them. But the Lord Jesus said to them, to let the evil grow side by side with the good, lest trying to remove the evil affect the good. But at the end of this age, angel messengers will gather first the children of the devil, group them together, and burn them in the lake of fire. Then the angel messengers shall gather the righteous into the kingdom of the Father, where the glory of the Lord shall shine upon them. So you say, where he is? You know, in this time, our retribution as believers in the kingdom. Well, people sometimes are just going to have to wait for the end of this age to see vindication from God. So there's mixture in the kingdom, friend. I want you to understand that. Then, because there's mixture, not everybody that says unto him, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. So there's only two lines. In scripture, that's the godly seed of woman and the evil seed of the serpent. The godly are the wheat and the evil are the tares. The wicked are the and the righteous will be separated, like I said. And so, understand that there was only one field, that's the world, but there are two sowers, two seeds, two seasons, two natures, and two destinies. There's no third option. 
You either have the word of Christ in you, or you have the word of the enemy in you. You're the children of Christ, you're child of the devil. You either are going to have the nature of the, the wheat, or the nature of the tares. And your destiny either is going to be the kingdom of God, which is the barn, which is the house of the Father, or it's going to be the fiery furnace. Well, that's rather harsh, Brother Palmer. I didn't make the parable up. Jesus taught it. He received it as revelation from the Father. So you have to decide tonight what you belong to. We all in this life are going to have a time of sowing. Something's going to be sowed in our heart. And whatever it has sowed in our heart, it means it's going to have a time to grow. And then whatever grows in our heart is going to have a time to be exposed. And then whatever is exposed in our heart is going to have a time where it's classified. <clears throat> and then whatever has been classified in our heart, if it continues, is going to be separated and then judged. So we have all a season of sowing, growing, exposure, classification, separation, and judgment. And because of this, you should order your life by this. And live in fear of it. Maybe you're listening tonight. You say, well, I don't know Jesus as my Lord. Don't know him as my Savior. I want to give my heart to him. I want to know him. I don't want to be a tear. I want to make sure that heaven is my home. I want to pray for you tonight. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I thank you for Jesus. I don't want to be cast into the furnace of fire. I want to spend eternity with you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Save me from my sin. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. Forgive me of selfish ambition. Forgive me of every sin that's in my heart. I give my life to you. Jesus set me free. Change me. Deliver me. Heal me. Make me whole. I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Did you pray that prayer, friend? I want you to email me. Info at chrispalmerministries.com And I want to connect with you. I want to make sure that you walk upright in the sight of God, that you walk upright in the sight of His Word and what He called you to do. We'll be back next week from 1215 on the Transforming Truth broadcast. Remember, you can connect with us, www.chrispalmerministries.com. You can write us, P.O. Box 403, Wild Lake, Michigan, 48390. You know, sometimes people write us things about theological questions. We don't answer those questions. We don't get into theological debates with people. This is a program to minister to people, not to get into uh, theological discussions, which are better answered in the classroom. There are seminaries in the area that can assist you with your theological pursuits. So hold those kind of questions. God bless you, friend. We will talk to you next week, 1215, on the Transforming Truth broadcast. Be blessed. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com. Or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ, 103.5 FM, The Light.